0: Welcome to This Week in the 90s, brought to you by Alive and Kicking, the original 90s football podcast. On tonight's show, we reminisce lettice as we talk about that goal and the rest of his back catalogue, and the man who changed football from hero to transfer zero, maybe, or the other way around, whatever you to play it, Jean-Marc Bosman, in all his glory, is discussed, and a whole lot more here on This Week in the 90s. Hello, this is Luisa Amor Rodriguez and you are listening to Alive and Kicking, the 90s football podcast, okay? Now, where is Linda? I couldn't do it on my own, of course. Joining me in my favourite front two... First of all, he is a social media mogul for TV's biggest shows and one half of the newest and best wrestling podcasts out there. Check out <laughs> Wrestling Origins, everybody. Joe Young. How you doing, Joe?
1: I'm all right, man. I'm very well. I'm, I'm I'm a little bit emotional about my feelings for Harry Redknapp. Okay,
0: we'll get on to that in a second. Let's introduce yeah. Matthew first. Um, he Well, this is a first for a, a live and Kicking. You may have seen on his own Twitter feed um, earlier on today, we we're going live via satellite or Skype <laughs> as it's 2018 from Barcelona. He's not sort of reminiscing Romario and all that 3-3s. Three he's out there for more modern reasons, but he's a writer for a plethora of outlets. Matthew Christ, live from Barcelona. Hola. Hola. I'm certainly
2: not, remi- certainly not reminiscing that 4-0 with Storch. yeah.
0: Yeah. But, oh. um, You're there for the other than that, Valencia game.
2: Yeah, I thought, you know, ahead of being bored to tears watching the United Valencia, which is effectively a dead rubber. And even if it wasn't a dead rubber, I'd probably still be bored to tears. I thought I'd uh, make the most of the £20 flight to Barcelona and uh, have a couple of days here before getting the train down to uh, Valencia tomorrow. And I'm glad that I have, because as we were just saying before we came on, it's a fantastic city. Yeah. And uh, I wish I'd been here a bit more than I have. And you never know, um, if, depending on the uh, European Cup draw... Next week, I might be back
0: here That's again. Very true. Yeah, As I said, my favourite European city, Barcelona. Absolutely been there quite a few times. Love it. Love a tapas. Love sangria. Love Barcelona. It's, it's me written all over. Um, you love Harry Redknapp, though, don't you,
1: Joe? I, I, my, my, I've totally turned the tables. I've <laughs> You know, the, the tide has changed on Harry Redknapp for so long. The absolute, like, not the bane of my life, but somebody who I just shout at the television when he came on every time. And now, oh, I love him. I voted for him.
0: You actually voted for him.
1: You actually voted for <laughs> him. <Damn. laughs> Even though I had a bet on James to win at 100-1. Oh, they stitched which him you, up, didn't they? He got totally stitched up on Friday night talking about the money. Yeah. I talked to my friend who worked on it, and I just, as soon as it happened, I went, what was that? And she, she went, oh, I know, I know. So I went, blooming
0: obvious. Like, there, there hadn't been a bad remark from anyone through three weeks, and then they like, threw that in. And you're like, well, oh, he's they
1: gone. With, they did it with Knowles. What they did was they started showing him singing all over the place. So um, so they sort of stitched him up, and then they, then they stitched up James with the thing about the money. Yeah. Yeah, and asking his girlfriend about Brexit.
0: Yeah, oh, <laughs> that was. But you, but you fell hook, line, sinker for the Harry Redknapp and Sandra love story, did
1: you? Yeah, I, I, I like had a little tear, <laughs> a little tear when when he when he walked in the when he walked in the bit of the clearing and he went, Oh, oh no, no. Yeah. no! But like a nice or oh no? Yeah. if You didn't see it, not a Barry it Davis, like oh no, I can't yeah. believe it. Yeah, oh yeah, it was so nice. I, it would be interesting to see what he does now.
0: He can't be a manager.
1: Because, well, I mean, does he particularly want to go back to no. managing? Or he could go and do the rent the pundit bit all over ITV, and you know, you've always got a job there next year. Should you want to go and do it? So it'll be interesting to see what happens. I read a, I read an article on the BBC today, with somebody was saying like he can go out and earn like two, three million quid this year, and not in his the you know in, in his dog's bank account, just in his own <laughs> bank account. So
0: yeah, you'll get the I'm a celebrity bounce money, as they all do when they come out. But yeah, I can't imagine him because. Oh, cause I
1: don't know if he could. Could he
0: go back into football? I don't know. It's a bit of an odd one, that isn't it? I but think
1: he. I think he could, but it's like, does he really want to? He's yeah. not What's quite interesting is he says like he hasn't laughed at work for years and years and years, and then he's gone there and he's he's just been laughing all the time. He,
0: he so, should, I can't believe he wasn't laughing at the QPR escapades that he had in those two years, where the money well, he took and the, the fun that he had. Um, indeed, in, indeed. Right. I mean, yeah. I went into that. I have a certain opinion of Harry Redknapp after a bit of a bad taste. Let's call it in my mouth after what happened at Loftus Road. But yeah, I mean, props to the team at I'm a Celeb. They clearly edited it in a way that we'd all fall in love with the new national treasure. I heard him call today, which is somewhat ridiculous. But yeah, yes. um, Matthew, you've been very quiet. You're not. Uh, you're not. Uh, you're not buying into this Harry Redknapp nonsense.
2: Um, well, I've always. In a footballing sense, I've always uh, had a lot of time for it. I remember reading his first book years ago when it first came out about, I don't know, 15 odd years ago and really enjoying it. And uh, I'm just wondering whether Joel felt for it as hook, line, and sinker as he did for the uh, the old escapade down Last Ramblast about 10 years ago.
1: So basically, everybody's waxing lyrical about how wonderful Last Ramblas is, and now I just chipping with, oh, yeah, I got mugged down there. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, I got mugged <laughs> down there. I'm just gonna have to tell this story again really quickly. We went out drinking, me and my girlfriend at the time. Went to a little bar just off Blas Ramblast, came out, had a little dance with some uh, you know, some some nice people outside, and then they uh, you know, locked my arms behind my back, put the hand into my pocket, pulled my wallet out, and then she daddled. although, you know, it could have been worse. They threw back my wallet and all the cards, and I was most annoyed that I went back to the hotel with my girlfriend and she just went right I'm going to sleep now so I had to phone Middlesbrough to uh, rant and rave about it not the football club just one of my mates but yeah so that's my that's <laughs> and my now dialogue. you're telling the world <laughs> although we did go to Park well the next day which is very lovely
0: is that the, the Gaudi Park mm-hmm. yeah with all the yeah that's very nice and the castle and things like that yeah I queued up for that castle for I don't know about three hours and then my wife got to the top realised how high it was and how narrow and just went nah I walked straight back down again. So <laughs> I stayed up there. Well, you, you should have done what I did today and
2: just had a pint outside and looked up at it and saw how wonderful it looks. It is,
0: it is very wonderful. But yeah, I was yeah. Al- I'm always on the sangria if I'm in Spain. Well, I'm always on the sangria anyway. and I'll do like a, a, a pint or two of sangria. We're, we're,
1: getting, really?
0: into, we're getting into Ashro's snowball season, aren't we? We are getting into Ash Rose. You well remember, Joel. We are getting yeah. into Ashro's snowball season. I can't wait. Love a bit of snowball. Can't get it anywhere in pubs. <laughs> cannot get it anywhere. People in pubs, I'm going to try well, like,
1: it again. is in lemonade, uh, isn't it? Yeah, it's all it is.
0: It's nothing special. But I remember last year I was in a pub in Greenwich. You know, quite a hipster sort of place, I suppose. Mm. And two pubs and didn't know what the hell I was talking about. One pub didn't even stock avocado so yeah
1: i think you should be you should be spearheading the advocar revolution i should bring it back
0: bring back get, it back.
1: get people going mad for a bit of warnings
0: oh it's, it's gorgeous a lot, i don't know why i don't drink it all year round i do just save it for christmas but...
2: uh, have you ever managed to find a pub that did serve it uh, I, can't, I can't think of anywhere that i, I would know
1: ever having a, having a warnix in a pub the, the yeah the
2: only the only time you ever drink snowballs or advocar seems to be at christmas when it's yeah. left in the cupboard after about ten years it's, it's, a, it's my dad thing like
0: my dad's not a dr- big drinker in the slightest I think I've seen my dad drunk twice in my entire life he doesn't he just doesn't really drink but the only thing he used to drink quite consistently was at Christmas he'd have a few snowballs so I don't know where it came from from him because he doesn't really like the taste of beer, so that's kind of why, why he didn't really drink a lot. So it's the taste of, obviously it tastes very different, it's like a soft drink almost, um, Snowball. So that's where it came from and it's just always stuck with me. But yeah, and pubs don't, especially if you going, t- going to town and you obviously go into bars and you get a lot of eclectic different barmen and bar ladies from different countries and they haven't got a clue. I mean, it's very English as well. Um, but yeah, well, it's
1: know. Dutch, isn't it? But it, well,
0: from what I yeah, but I think I, it's like a tradition that I know. When I say it every time, it's like, oh yeah, we used to have that. But yeah, I know like what...
1: Dick Advocat, the former uh, Reds yeah, of manager course. at yeah. Sunderland, yeah,
0: very briefly, yes. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh,
0: but yeah, that's um, yeah, snowball is my drink of choice at Christmas. Yeah, I'll be drinking a few of them, and I go, cool, can't wait. Yeah, Christmas, <laughs> and I get to sing Joel. I thought it was a bit early for that, though, wasn't
1: it? Oh God, you're the first one to do it. Yes, it sort of gradually died out. But yeah, I was yeah.
0: going to wait until our more Christmassy shows that I haven't even thought about doing yet. But we will. We'll do some sort of Christmas show. It's a very busy time in the world. Um, So, yeah. So, Harry Redknapp. Yeah, I'm a king. He's the king of the jungle. That's something I thought I'd never say, Harry Redknapp. Obviously, it's 90s-esque. West Ham. I was reading an interview with whole character today, actually, Um, funny enough. But we are talking kind of two main things tonight. It probably won't be the longest show, but um, we usually say that, and then we go on and on and on. So, let's see how we get on. You may have seen this around your Twitter feed already today. Um we put it on there at AK nineties if you don't follow us already. Tenth of December nineteen ninety-four. Arguably one of the best goals of the decade. It was the goal of the season. It's that Matt Letitia goal against Blackburn Rovers. Um before we talk about Letitia in general, uh Matthew, where do you rate this goal in the decade? And, you know, it was is it up there with the great goals of the nineties?
2: Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> I suppose. Yeah. I I mean, there's a lot to choose from there. Oh, I know. And and, um, Mr. Assissier himself has got a few contenders, hasn't he? Yeah, we'll talk about that in a minute. So I'm just trying to think. I mean, I think the only thing that, and this is going to sound a little bit snobbish, I think the only thing that doesn't really put it up there with some of the best is the fact it was, from what I remember, it wasn't a... Huge sort of profile game, if that makes nice. any sense. You know, I mean, it, was it was a midweek
1: game, wasn't it? Yeah. I think. Yeah,
2: yeah, I know that shouldn't make any difference, but it's sort of, you know, when you look back to that era and, you know, some of the goals we all look back to and remember and, and harp on about. I mean, this is obviously a fantastic goal, but it's sort of, it, uh, to me, the shine was taken off slightly by the fact it was sort of a no, it just didn't seem to
1: mean anything at the time. Obviously, if, if you're a Southampton fan, that wouldn't be the case. Or... I, I remember reading interviews with him, sort of in not the immediate aftermath, but certainly in the next sort of year or two later. And, and Leticia himself rated it as one of his favourite goals because he says, Not only did I beat a couple of players, which, to be honest, you know, in a, in a weird sort of way, he wasn't known for his burst of speed, no. was he? Or, or particularly? but
0: skill with the. Oh, this sounds silly. Skills, as in tricks, I suppose. The techers, yeah, the
1: kids call them. I saw a couple today that he did, but but in this goal, he said like, what made it even more sweet is the fact that his friend Tim Flowers was in goal mm. uh, against it, and he said that made it even sweeter that it was his mate, and he could just use it forever. So I kind of quite admire him for that, really. Um, but it's, I mean, the way he beats his beats the men uh, outside, and then just bang. That's a it's a lovely goal, isn't it? I mean, it's one of them that gets played sort
0: of. over. I feel like when I saw it today, and um, I was like, I feel like I saw it yesterday because it does get played over and over again. Yeah. But I wondered because I remember Joe when we had uh, Sashin on when we did one of the World Cup ones, and he's talked about the Dennis Bergkamp goal being overrated in time. I wondered if this had had maybe slightly been overrated. Now you well, watch it I again. Wouldn't...
1: I went and watched. I went and watched quite a lot of clips of Latissier's goal, and there's one against Newcastle, which, and not just because it's against Newcastle, but there's one against Newcastle that I sort of rate more. He does the little scorpion kick. Yeah, click. this is
0: yeah, this is my favourite goal.
1: And he does the little Scorpion kick flick first, and then it's like a chip a la Gaza and Colin Hendry. Yeah. And then he fires it past, I think, is it Cernicek? In yeah, the, I think it is, The castle yeah. goal. Um, I just thought, that personally thought that was a better goal. Yeah. I thought well, goal.
2: He, scored two. Two, he scored two fantastic goals in that game. He scored a free kick,
1: yeah. Yeah. yeah I was just going to say, yeah. that
2: kind of proves my point. I think the fact that for some reason we all remember those goals, obviously because it was on... It was a Super Sunday game, which at the time just seemed so high profile, didn't it? I mean, now pretty much every game seems to be on television anyway. But yeah. then it was it was just it just magnified anything that happened. And for, I just think for that fact, those two goals being on television on a Sunday at four o'clock were just just no. That doesn't mean they were technically better, but it just it just added to their importance. I think But I agree. I think that goal
1: was. I don't know, just seemed a bit more dramatic for some reason. yeah, it seems uh, a lot more skillful, I think, whereas you can say that he he beat the two men in the black in the Blackburn one. He sort of beats the two guys, and it's it's wallop and he obviously knew exactly what he was doing, but it's just the way he sets himself up on that Newcastle one. It, it is the little scorpion kick and then the flick over, and it's like, it, that's that's what the, fin- the finish is great as well, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, really composed,
0: yeah. Yeah, it's yeah.
1: just sort of very nicely sort of slotted into the bottom right corner, and it's like a much better goal, I think, than than that one. That one's good. I'm not taking anything away from the Blackbird Rovers goal, you know, but that one, I think, I think that goal is more what Matthew Lattisier was about in that sort of nonchalant, um, flamboyant but not grafting if that makes sense just just insertion just he could do it you know it's like kind of like flick flick again bang in. Yeah. and I would sort of out the ones I was watching today I was like oh I've forgotten about that that's a mm, wee, the, wee, wee it's the one yeah. I always
0: think of because Barry Venison is the hits the defender that he falls with that sort of scorpion flick isn't it because he doesn't know which way the ball's gone it's and you see his big mullet just swing round <laughs> in that beautiful blue kit that's one of my favourite Newcastle kits as well that they're wearing their away kit that night but yeah it's one of and as you said matthew you got another one um is it a free kick or is it a I think I can't remember, but yeah, there is another well, one in that game. it's a free kick, isn't it? He flicks it up.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah.
2: He flicks it up, doesn't he? From the free kick, the water roll got back
1: it. to. It's very similar to the one he got got against Wimbledon, yes. where he sort yeah. of, where it's a free kick that sort of is rolled to him and he flicks it up and then hits it on his own volley, and it's it's sort of similar to that.
0: Yeah, so I've got that one down here, and I was, and the question I've written next to my note, yeah, sometimes I make notes, is you, you don't see that, you don't see people try that sort of thing anymore. It's so it's cheeky, it's it's quirky, it's different, but free kicks have all become about the way, I suppose it's the Ronaldo factor, the way you hit the ball, I've literally just watched um, Lucas digna do it for Everton a fantastic free kick, and we saw Messi over the weekend as well, but that I just love that sort of free kick, that little bit there's the classic one in the, is it Man City in the 70s, is it Colin, I want to say Colin Bell, that kind of hops it up and then somebody volleys no. it go on Matthew Ernie Hunt. Oh,
1: is he going to tell us?
0: yeah, well this is not my era, so go yeah. on Matthew it was <laughs>
2: So you're breaking up a
0: bit there, was it Only Hunt the donkey kick? Yeah, that's one. the one I'm thinking of yeah, it's a bit like that isn't it you don't see them as much anymore it maybe, uh, I'd like to see a little bit more of, of that, um, but yeah the, the other goals that I, I sort of earmarked Matthew, do you remember the one against United and not the Massimo Taibi one, the one at the Dell, the chip <laughs> over Schmeichel
1: and that's in the kick game isn't it?
0: Yeah, it's in the kick game, that's a, that's a great goal um, and then there's an, and one against Villa which is another sort of uh, one from outside the area, a little bit like the Blackburn game, uh, the Wimbledon one we mentioned. There's one against Norwich in the really early 90s where that you say Joel that he didn't have much of it as speed, but there was a little bit of a burst of pace that we hadn't seen from Littici. It's a much younger uh, Matthew Littici, but check that one on YouTube. It's um it's the early 90s. He kind of goes around a few players and slots it into the bottom corner again. Um, but yeah it's, it's another lovely goal. And the, there's
1: one against Arsenal where he moves his body in such a way. It's almost like the ball's behind him when it comes to him, but then he manages. To volley it as if it's as if it's like, like sort of 18 inches in front of him. It's really like the way he shapes his body, and it's one of them what's the other one we always talk about? The curl and pivot. Um, is that Burkamp? Which one oh, are yeah, talking yeah, about? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, it's an interesting player though, Leticia, isn't it? Because I mean Southampton would have been down many times over without him. And yeah. he always remained loyal to them and there was always that question mark over it wasn't it about whether his loyalty was a good thing or a bad thing for himself you know it's I mean what do you think I mean we all like one club players and things and obviously Matthew's had a few Um, but I mean what is your opinion on that do you think he was daft to himself or do you think he was happy being the big fish in the small pond or you know, on being hero status
0: every time. It's the only place he played for, wasn't it? Yeah, um, my, I have a bit of a controversial opinion when it comes to Matt Latisse. Well, so I think it's controversial. I mean, he's one of my dad's favourite players. Always picked him for, um, for fantasy football leagues. Always remember that Gary McAllister and Matthew Latisse were my dad's like go-to picks in the fantasy football leagues. But I always think that is he Matt? Is was Matt Latisse just a show real player? Like we see these goals and they were brilliant. Was he ever actually good enough to play and? for a bigger club and he kind of knew that himself that he you know he could be the man at Southampton and have games where he's brilliant and had scored brilliant goals but week to week when you need to be what an elite player an elite club was he actually ever good enough and did he actually realize that and he was quite happy to play for his what I want to say but, he was but or, he
1: must have got 20 goals a season for what seven or eight or nine seasons or something um I mean, it, it, and whoever was, like, who was he linked with? Chelsea. Seriously? Chelsea, he was Chelsea with when, a,
2: Yeah, yeah. He, he was linked with United. He was linked with United as well in the sort of... I remember hearing a rumour that they were offering him a, a, a plane that would because he didn't want to leave the South Coast. And they were saying, mm. oh, you know, they were offering him a sort of a, like a Michael <laughs> Owen type... Well, they were offering him like a Michael Owen, apparently. I mean, this was obviously paper talk, but they were saying that he might... You know, be able to live where he lives and, and travel. You know, do the Michael Owen helicopter thing. But again, that could have been paper talk. But um, I, I can't imagine I him
1: on Alex Ferguson. No,
2: Well, no, I don't. That's why I think the story might have been rubbish because I just don't think he was a, a Fergie player.
1: Um, I mean, Terry Venables did... didn't like him either. And you know, well, and he, well, he, it he begs the question: Who would he? What manager would he have flourished
2: under? I think
0: Chelsea out, but... and Hoddle was the obvious because I think that's the player he was always. I mean, Hoddle was slightly more further back wasn't he as a kind of more of a luxury midfield player but I think there was someone he was kind of like likened to um backing in sort of that era and he sort of picked him in and around the squad didn't he for the World Cup in 98 that sort of era when he was England manager um but I was just looking at his goals Joel because you, you made me think what was his goals record and, and I didn't realize in 94 95 so the season where we started talking about this goal, he scored 30 goals that season
1: yeah I knew it was 30 yeah which I didn't
0: realise that he'd got that many in ones. I was made, made in like a sort of 15 to maybe 18 goal a season player. But no, the season before he scored 25, scored 30 in this season. And then it was kind of going back to that kind of late teens. But I mean. 30 goals a season player playing for Southampton now would instantly probably get snapped up by one of the well, Liverpool, obviously, um, but <laughs> if it we're going kind on of modern times. But look at someone like Callum Wilson, who's not even scoring anywhere near that rate, and he's already been linked with the top clubs because he's scoring quite regularly. So, yeah, it's I don't know. I I always thought that maybe he wasn't, I don't know if you had it in him to do it consistently at a big club. But well, the thing was, actually, the accusation
1: uh, sorry, go on,
2: Matthew. Well, it's just because I think it's a bit of an obvious thing to say, but I just think that the fact that he wasn't fancy for England as well doesn't seem to do him any favours. Really, does it? Because he could have several England managers could have taken a punt on him, but not many did, did they? So you know, he, even though he played played for a smallish club, it's not just it doesn't stop you playing for your country. But it didn't seem he didn't seem to. Uh, he didn't seem to get the nod from anyone
1: that managed England. The easy accusation that was always levelled at him was that he was lazy, but I'm going to play devil's advocate for a minute and say, do you have to be tracking back and running around all over the place when you're contributing that much to the game? And I suppose it would be a horses for courses thing. You know, some managers will fancy that. and Some managers clearly won't. I'll give
0: you one name that will defend that and, um, devil advocate. Yeah. Adil who for a season in the championship was by far and away the best player in that league even though he had Sean Derry covering his back but never seen him do anything defensively so I mean if you play the right system and have someone like Sean Derry that we had that would always mop up behind him he he can afford to have that luxury but you have to have the right manager in Neil Warnock who believed in him and sort of put up with I'm not saying that Matt Letizio had the attitude of Adel Terrap far from it but yeah. I think you kind of have to have the manager in the system to accommodate a player like
1: Matt Letizio and are you really going to do that in international national level or will you do that even at, you yeah. know, at Chelsea or, I think I remember him getting linked with Tottenham a few times which always seemed like, a, like it might be a decent fit because they always had that sort of player um, but yeah in, in, interesting one I think
0: Mm-hmm. Jose Dominguez is that who you relate to Tottenham to <laughs> or Yvind <or laughs> Leonardson yeah
1: Nick, Nick Bambi yeah. Would you,
2: Matthew would you like to meet United would you Would you have liked him well I'd probably have to say no to be honest I mean he was a, he was a decent player but the thing is if United hadn't had the success that they did then probably we'd say yeah we'd have loved to have had him but at the time that he could have come to United I just don't see who he would have slotted in with and who he would have replaced so I'd have to say thanks but no
1: thanks on that one I think
0: yeah it could have gone to Bar- Barrow as well couldn't he sort of play that Barrow would have gone for at some point Joe uh, uh,
1: I'd see what you're saying with yeah. that with sort of Giannini on everything but uh, I don't think I actually remember him getting linked with Newcastle a couple of times yeah, which was obviously never yeah. going to happen um, but yeah just I don't know I think I think I'd have been very much of the opinion that I wouldn't have wanted him I think I think I, I think as a Middlesbrough fan, you you like grafters, and that's why we sort of love Janino and everything because he was the skill with the graft. We we're not ones for people who just sort of hang about with their hands on the hips or complain a lot, which is why you know Ravinelli wasn't perhaps as popular as he should have been
0: yeah I remember the last point Matt Leticia as well he played. I think we've mentioned this game before he played in an England B game at Loftus Road that I went to because Trevor Sinclair and Les Ferdinand were playing at the time in the England B as well we wanted to see that and he scored a hat-trick and he was absolutely that's the best I've ever seen him play um one of his goals in particular I think it was on a show that I saw earlier on so there was that around that time I did see what these clubs and what we've been saying to see but as I said, was minute,
1: there was there talk of him playing for France at one point?
0: Because yeah, because he's obviously from the Channel Islands, the isn't Channel he? Islands. Yeah. yeah,
1: and him and Lasor would both qualify. For- Does
2: that automatically yeah. qualify if you're from the Channel Islands? Do you get
1: dual. I, I I'd seem to remember it being said at the time, but I can't remember whether it's actually true or not. But it was definitely said around the time that both him and Lasor could have gone and played for France if they'd wanted to.
2: It's pretty damning then, really, isn't it? If England didn't really want him, France didn't really want him, and no one else apart from... Maybe Sam's France was really like
1: a bit of a non-starter, you know, like um, you know, like when they said a few years ago about Almunia was going to go and play golf oh, for yeah. England. Arteta,
0: well, wasn't it? At point, it was yeah. the other one,
1: yeah, that was always talked about, and it was kind of one of those things that, yeah, it might be possible, but it's not really going to happen, is it?
0: Yeah, and, him, and what's his oh, thingy for Man United? He now plays for Belgium. yanazai that for one Januzai, point, yeah, yeah, everyone yeah. was going mad about him, weren't they? Which is just mm. ridiculous. Um, but anyway... We'll... well,
1: you get lots of the smaller countries who will do that now. I mean, we've talked about the countries in the Caribbean who, have you know, they've gone through and it's people who aren't going to probably get their game for England. But, I mean, they did it. And, and you know, it probably all goes back to Jack Charlton, that. He was probably the first to take advantage of that.
0: Yeah, no, very true. Tanya Cascarino being the obvious. Never been to Ireland and then played for them. Um, Let's talk about one of the biggest changes in football during the 1990s, in the decade that changed football. This is one of the biggest moments. And it all started with a little-known Belgian by the name of Jean-Marc Bosman. He decided in 1990 that he wanted to move to a French team called Dunkirk. He was at a team called FC Ligia in in Belgium. Uh, Ligia were refusing to sell him to Dunkirk. And obviously this is... He was then put on a uh, transfer tribunal, his wages reduced, uh, decided he wasn't the first team player, so basically he took the club to court and decided that he was looking to what accuse them of fair trade in the transfer market and this is when the bosman ruling was first agreed on the 15th of december 1995 the european court of justice declared that players would now be allowed to move once their contract had expired and the club would no longer be entitled to any transfer fee they could even discuss terms six months before this is obviously something that hugely changed football so that's start with the big question first of all matthew did this change transfers for the good or the or the
2: worse um well i suppose it depends which point of view you're looking at it from i mean from a fan's point of view i'm not really sure it makes much difference because i mean players would have would come and go either way and i mean obviously there's been some players that if you're on the side which gains out of it you're going to think it's great like Sol Campbell, or whoever, if you're on a point of view where you lose, then you think it's terrible. But I think from a legal point of view, you really can't argue against it, really, because if you think about it, I mean, it's incredible to think for all those years, clubs were able to basically dictate to a player that wasn't on their books, essentially. I mean, if a player's contract ran out, then it went to a tribunal about what the, the price was. I mean, really in what walk of life would that happen anywhere else I mean you just if you didn't have a contract you just walk away which is exactly what happens now so I, the whole good or bad thing I'm not quite sure because clubs obviously do very well out of a lot of sides of football so I'm sure they can they can cover the, the losses but I just find it difficult from a fan's point of view to really have any sympathy for clubs that might lose out you know 50 million quid yeah, um, but then I mean, the small. There are clubs that will obviously do badly from it. The, the sort of clubs that would need that money, uh, obviously, uh, that what used to happen years ago, with clubs would sell on to survive. Which I suppose that's the biggest impact now. I mean, for clubs like Tottenham and United and Chelsea and Liverpool, they've all lost out. I mean, McManaman left on a on a free, and and a lot of players have left on frees, which I don't think has affected a lot of clubs in the Premier League. But I think it, if it affects anybody, I suppose it affects the smaller clubs that would be the supply line I suppose in the chain and yeah I suppose that's a bad thing from their point of view
0: Yeah I mean that's the the, kind of the the devil's advocate argument isn't it I was going to come to and ask Joel I mean it's not really this wasn't affecting the big clubs because the money comes in left right and centre but did this first of all trickle down to the lower leagues as being
1: a problem is that how it was seen at the time Joel? Well, I, th- I think so, wasn't it? I mean, didn't they make alterations as well, that if, you know, it was somebody under, is it under 21 or yeah, 23, it to a... be a payment? Yeah. And originally, couldn't, couldn't it only go between countries? Because I don't think it was happening, you couldn't do it from English club to English club originally. I don't know why I'm thinking that, and it might be wrong, but I just remember when Jamie Pollock left... <laughs> he went on a he went on a free transfer to Osasuna and then before you know it, he was at Bolton Wanderers. So, you know, and I'm trying to think whether it was sort of in the, in the country and then it was eventually changed that you could just go wherever. But Matthew's right what he says and that clearly it's lunacy in the fact that, you know, a player just couldn't leave when, when that was that, you know, and that, you know, make no mistake about it, if the club didn't want them, the club would have happily got rid of them and paid them off or, or whatever. So, you know, it, it's one of the things where the power has gone more to players and agents and everything else now as opposed to staying with the clubs. But, I mean, if you go back in football history, a lot of, I mean, a lot of players were treated absolutely horrendously. You know, people in the 40s and the, well, after the war in the 40s and the 50s, you know, and Jimmy Hill getting involved with Fulham and all that business because people just weren't allowed to move. And if, you know, and it, it, if the club didn't want to sell you, then they didn't have you and they could just leave you there to rot and that's the end of you. So, I think in that respect, it's, it's clearly a good thing. But then again, you know, have you, if you've put the investment in a player, et cetera, et cetera, it could be a bit of a nightmare. I'm,
2: I'm trying to think of a player, apart from a sort of a, a move that's really pissed off fans, like the Sol Campbell one. I mean, I'm trying to think of the, clubs, top-flight clubs, that will really think they've lost out on the back of this. I mean, I was, I'm thinking, Manaman comes to mind... He, he, went on the, free, he, he, he was
0: one of the first big profile
1: ones, wasn't
2: he? Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, what would he have gone for back then? 20 million quid, 15? I don't know what the... Well, yeah. maybe... Not, oh, maybe I mean, say I mean, this.
1: probably we'll looking at, like, 25. Yeah. Back yeah. 25. yeah.
2: Yeah. So, so, little, so, so, essentially, Liverpool lost out on 25 million quid. I mean, I'm trying to think of how many of those kind of signings there have been. Because what well, tends to happen now? Few,
1: Like, we got a few, I think. I think... I can't remember whether Mendy... Mendy Mende- was definitely a free transfer. I'm not sure whether it was a Bosman or whether we just got him on a free... After him, after him being the world record transfer three a couple of years before. Um, but we certainly, I think Zenden might have been one as well, um, just off the top of my head. So I think that a club that wants to go places and, and has got a sharp eye and can fling money at a player as well, and you can use it to your advantage all it is is just a, ch- a changing of the rules and like i said uh, you're on you know putting the power into the hands of the players which you know as a as a free tradesman and a, and a person going about your life you should be able to do that you shouldn't be dictated to by your boss as to what you can do it's just yeah. quite ludicrous that in the first place mm. i it's agree
2: a- it's, it's changed the way that people have that clubs have done their business now isn't it? completely I mean, i'm trying to think of at the minute i mean you've got de Gea at the minute who's I've got apparently a year left on his contract. So let's let's say he's got one year left. I mean, he's uh, there's only going to I I can't see him winding that contract down and going on a free. It just doesn't seem to happen anymore, does it? it, it it's, I don't know why. I mean, you think
1: he would, but well, if, if you cal- look at something like Mesut Özil, mm. like three hundred and something, whatever it is a week, three hundred and fifty, three hundred. Now, is that being done to because he, he he's not particularly doing anything at Arsenal at the minute, and is that being done to sort of? Get some money back off him because at three hundred and fifty thousand pound a week, you know, it only takes three million to add another uh, three weeks to add another million onto the, you know, onto the price. It's really peculiar. But then at the same time, they're letting Aaron Ramsey go for nothing.
0: See that? Yeah, I mean, I think this is, I think it's a case of you know, um, taking it, give them an inch and they take a mile with with the players. You give them the power back, but now you get these prolonged sort of negotiations. You get them when it comes to the eighteen months mark when their contracts up. Then they, you know, the pay rise, crazy pay rises come because clubs panic. Like them Ozil, as you say, I think they panic and throw the money at them. It is yeah, I mean, I definitely think it's obviously for fair trade, it's better the way it is. But I do think there's still, I think it's the players have taken the biscuit a little bit um, and used it to their advantage. The big one at the time as well was um, Edgar Davids, who moved from Ajax to AC Milan. So that was a, that was one of the, the very first botsmen. and I think and that, that would
1: really that would really hurt an Ajax.
0: Yeah, and that would have been a lot of money for Ajax as well at the time. Mm-hmm. He was one of the you know the big players of that um, era as well. So I mean, I can see. I think it's it's one of those you can see both both sides of it. Um, it, it seems odd now in two thousand eighteen that, that there was a time when it, then there wasn't this kind of fair trade and, of contracts, and that literally clubs would keep them. I'm
2: t- I'm just trying to think that like say this, but this never happened and let's say it's now and, and the Bosman ruling never happened, and let's take someone like De Gea, for example. So he's got a year left on his contract and he's valued at, what, £100 million. So what would happen, he would come next year, Juventus wanted to sign him, he would probably then go on a tribunal for, I mean, something. what it was, it, was, it would meet in the middle, wouldn't they? Yeah, something, quite, quite yeah. often it wasn't, quite often it wasn't disclosed, but I think would they say, right, okay, well, Fifty million quid. I mean, I'd, I'd love to know how the tribunal worked that out, because and who are the know, tribunal? I'm, like, is this a? Is yeah. like, it's
0: like the dubious goal panel. It's like who decides? It's, it's just such a grey area, isn't it? Yeah. To say,
2: well, look, if that player's worth you know X amount, who's to say no, he's not? Um, it's, it's, it's hard to it's hard to imagine in these days that that is how it worked how it was worked out but um but it was and clubs seem to have got their heads around it pretty quickly because like i say you don't tend to get that sort of standoff now that you did get then i mean i suppose you had alexis sanchez left didn't you and and sort of picked up a hefty pay packet but i don't think you don't tend to get a player that the club really wants to keep kicking up a fuss and then going on in bad on bad terms they seem to sort of and i'm thinking of players like coutinho and and uh Suarez and yeah you know, they seem to come get a, a way around it don't they where they offer the player a big contract we all know it's a dance because they're going to leave anyway so they it's a sort of a win-win isn't it they end up giving them the contract so they get the pay rise and then the club comes <laughs> in. get into the
1: pump, the pay rises, yeah well.
2: and the club gets 90 million quid so it's it's sort of a it's, a, it's sort of they've all seem to have worked around it so that there's never really a, a, the big controversy that there used to be but Initially, it did make a difference. More so, I think, but now I think people are wise to it. So they sort of—it's of a win-win situation. Locked down who
1: you want to get locked down, and the people who you don't care about are allowed to go.
2: Yeah, like the
0: like you mentioned, Aaron Ramsey, which seems to be an odd one, but clearly that they he does they don't value him to what transfer that he thinks he's valued at and. Therefore, he looks like he's going. What I didn't realise as well, the Bosman ruling also was part of the reason they got rid of the, uh, the foreign quota rule on leagues as well. That was part of the, the whole ruling that, that, again, fair trade, that clubs didn't and then have to go for the free foreigner rule. We've mentioned it many times on here that May and I had suffered from that in Europe. That was part of it as well, that they no longer had to adhere um, to that ruling. So it, did, it was something that com- completely, completely uh, changed the way that the game was uh, in terms of its rules. Um, a little bit on jean Mark Bosman. Do we know much about him?
2: Yeah, I was going to say it all worked out very south here, didn't it? I mean, yeah, basically, did... he yeah, ended up living sort of in ended his garage. Korea, wasn't it? Yeah, Yeah. he ended up losing a bunch of money on the court case and he ended up living in his garage because he couldn't afford to pay his mortgage or his rent. And it was a real sorry, sorry tale. I mean, it's a, sort of an irony, isn't it, really, that a player that was sort of not really ever heard of is heard of. Although it's not, is it still called... Do people still refer to it as the Bosman? I don't think I they mean, do. Do they? I just think no, I mean f- now people just say he's on a free or he's out. He's a free agent. Contract, he's out of yeah. contract. But mm-hmm. I mean, we know it as the Bosn ruling. But I mean, I suppose it's obviously going to fade out over time. But um, yeah, it was a sorry story. You sort of. After all this, it, it, he certainly didn't benefit out of it, or he didn't at the time. I'm not sure.
0: It's I'm not sure. I mean, I, this is going by. Uh, a couple of very questionable sources one of them being wikipedia but what, <laughs> what it does say that some of his money was lost due to a bad investment in a special t-shirt line so he had t-shirts made hoping that this whole thing would make him a, like quite a household name which it has but not in the extent that he thinks he has but these t-shirts apparently had who's the buzz written on them in reference oh, okay, to know yeah. uh, how much he invested in that
2: though. yeah I mean, well, how many
0: what
2: does it cost to get you yeah. know
0: he only sold one, <laughs> apparently. T- Don't you wish you had
2: that? Yeah, to the son
0: of his lawyer. So if that T-shirt's floating around somewhere, put it on Twitter, that would be amazing. And in order to pay his taxes, he was forced to sell his second house. Oh, no. And his Porsche. And then in April 2013, he was given a one-year prison sentence suspended uh, following an assault on both his girlfriend and her daughter. He's now unemployed Jeez. and relying on handouts from FitPro. So... No people which is the international federation of Oh, so it's the like a pfa type thing um that he's he's relying on so yeah i mean as you say for somebody who's such a landmark case
2: i assume somebody must have advised him on this i wonder whether he was the kind of guy that would took it on himself or someone said look you've got a case here because over the years it's funny how it's taken that it took so long for someone to actually say hang on there's a case to be answered here I mean, it's, it's just, it's strange it's never been He must. Um, he must have before. had somebody,
0: because judging by his later actions in life, he doesn't come across as the most savvy kind of gentleman. Well, not, so. not judging
2: by the T-shirt. No. Business,
0: no. <laughs> so he must have been, yeah, he must have been advised somewhere along the line. So, yeah, John Mark Bosman, absolutely stonewall changed football there. Um, so, yeah, that's, um, I mean, that's all we've got to talk about this week. It's a bit of a quiet week. In the '90s, I'm sure there was a few tidbits that might come up later in the week. Um, but yes, thank you very much uh, for joining us. You haven't found anything, boys. Usually, Joel, you throw something out, but no, we're all good for this week, are we?
1: No, I've been—I've just been distracted. With I'm a celebrity, I'm afraid. <laughs> I think it's something for next
2: week, isn't it, Joel? When was the famous, the classic uh, Middlesbrough getting deducted? Yeah, the it's time, on time, my list. But... Yeah,
0: yeah, it's next week. It's on my list. Oh, I can't wait for I've that. I've got that. Yeah, I've got no research needed. I'll leave that one totally to Joel. I, I
1: mentioned that one to date somebody online actually because somebody was discussing the Brexit stuff and they were going and somebody said oh is that it now if you think you're going to lose something you just cancel it and I said yeah we tried that once and it didn't <laughs> let you work <laughs> so, so it comes to something when Middlesbrough Football Club I get the bigger punishment than the government for balls and so I do put that into the discussion <laughs> yeah. for another
0: podcast that's definitely not this one isn't it definitely not 90s as well but yeah we'll yeah. talk about that Middlesbrough next week um, a little bit of housework for you if you're still looking for the I don't know what to say yeah the perfect Christmas gift for your 90s football fan Alive and Kicking the book is still available Yeah, it's is what spawned this podcast, go on Amazon or wherever you get your books, it's still on there or oh, the plethora of great 90s books that are out there, a friend of the show Sid Lambert's cashing in is brilliant as well and if you want to win a copy of Bruce grobolas new autobiography We had him on the show on our last show which was about the Merseyside rivals get on the Twitter feed now at AK90 just retweet the tweet that's on there and the winner will be announced on Wednesday when we'll also then be running another competition for another book from a future guest of the show so look out for that one um, these boys will be back next week but if you want to chat in the meantime Matthew where can people find you on the Twitter
2: it's at Matthew J Chris
0: hola indeed and uh, Joel, yeah, adios Yeah, adios and Joe where can people Find you talking I saw you doing a lot of Top of a lot of pops Talking this week
1: Top of pops was good On Friday yeah um, I'm, I'm a celebrity as well But that's finished now So hopefully we can Go into something else uh, Yeah Joel Baby her Come and say hello Aww. Be all good
0: Yeah well You know you said on What was it you said On Wednesday Who's who's watching The Apprentice Instead of watching I'm a celeb You're sick You're, you're sick, sick.
1: sick That was people. me That was me Yeah a couple of people answered, but most people were watching you too so. Oh, it
0: was a Christmas Apprentice. It was like all oh, my Christmas come up. Oh, I, I used
1: to love it. I used to think it was great, and then I just got bored with just how thick they are.
0: Oh, I, I, I do. You know what? I know it's contrived. I know that all the tasks mean nothing to the actual point of the show. That the yeah, if he likes your business plan, he likes that's it. You're going to win, basically.
1: Yeah. But yeah. I just
0: I just lap it up. I absolutely love the Apprentice. Roll on more. That's what I say. Um, I so wonder
2: I, how John Mark Bosman would have got on with his T-shirt
1: Christmas <laughs> on the Apprentice. Would fired, he would have been tired. Yeah. You would have been day you He would have got the thing, you know, this is that, like, No matter how you lose, that's what he's going to pick on you for. Die, well, you did this wrong. Well, you know, anybody could have done that wrong. They might have just been unlucky on the day. You know? Oh, yeah.
0: Oh, the whole premise of the show is completely flawed. It's just, I just ignore that and just lap it up for what it, I couldn't even care if they're actors. I just, do you know what? I love the idea of the product. I just like the idea of making a product and seeing how badly they do it and stuff but um, <laughs> that's the geek inside me i suppose but yeah um let's let's finish on john mark bosman there let's keep it 90s as we all always do and as i said we'll be back talking middlesbrough next week we've also got some sort of christmas episode planned keep a breath on the twitter feed i'll tell you all about it um, but until next time i've been ash rose this has been alive and kicking till next time keep it 90s